scripture reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Please stand as you are able from the reading of the gospel. Jesus said to them, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the 11th hour, he went out and found still others standing around and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who were hired first came, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last only worked one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. So, growing up as a kid, on my birthday, my mom always made me a birthday cake. I think it was the Duncan Hines version in the store. She would go to the grocery store, get the box of Duncan Hines, and I usually had an option. I could get chocolate or white, you know, what, what vanilla or whatever flavor it was. You know, those were my two options. Then you either got to choose which, I, you could have like the vanilla cake with the chocolate icing or the vanilla cake with the white icing, right? So I had that. So she would put it in that nine inch aluminum pan put it in the oven, out would pop, frost it, put some candles on it, whatever numerical birthday it was, that number of candles appeared on the cake and it said, happy birthday, Matt. And I was perfectly happy. I was always happy to have that birthday cake. I loved the birthday cake, I ate the birthday cake, I was perfectly content with my birthday cake. Then, my my birthday was in June, my brother's birthday was in October. And one particular birthday, we went to his birthday celebration and he did not get the traditional sheet cake. He got a fire engine cake. (laughs) He got a cake in the shape of a fire engine and the shape of the fire engine, it had like cookies for wheels and it had licorice for ladders. And I looked at this cake and I thought, I've never gotten a cake like this. Now, Now notice what's going on inside of me is that I was perfectly content with my sheet cake until I saw my brother get the fire engine cake. All of a sudden, I wasn't content anymore. 
all of a sudden I wasn't happy anymore. And in fact, I kind of held on to it, you know. You know, some of us, when we grow up, these things happen to us and we just stuff them inside, right? But as I aged and got older and I got bolder, I began to say to mom, you know, Mark, that's my brother's name, Mark got a fire engine cake. And all I ever got was a sheet cake. You must like him better than me. Can I get a witness here this morning? Any siblings here in the house, right? Sibling rivalry. One's favorited over the other. Someone else gets something that someone else didn't get. And what do we say? Hey, what about me? So I, I kind of bugged my mom because that, that mother's guilt thing is such a fun thing to play with sometimes. So as a teenager, and us teenagers, when you're a teenager, you love to do that, right? You love to push the buttons of mom. And so if you're a mom of a teenager, just wait. It'll, they'll grow out of it, right? But I'm thinking about this, and I kept bugging her. And, so, and she was, she, her, her response was, I don't remember that. <laughs> so I was in the basement of our family home digging through some old photos. And guess what I found? I think we got it. There is my brother. And in the background, you can see the fire engine cake, and it's got his name on it, Mark, right across the front of the fire engine. I showed this to my mother. Gotcha. So my mom, who I tell this story, this is not the first time I told this story. But I think about that, what is it about us that when someone else gets something that we don't get, we become envious, we become jealous, we begin to think that we deserve the same, kind of like what we heard in the parable today. Now in my mother's defense, she makes me also show you this picture of me in my 20s. with my fire engine cake that my mother made for me on my like 24th or 25th birthday. I don't know what birthday it was, right? Thank you, mom. It's a funny thing, mother's guilt. <laughs> but she was good enough to do that and to say, you know, and she loves us both and obviously, and, and, and she didn't think of anything of it when we were growing up. But I, and I think that's a great moment of family story that I share with you, but there, it gets at this idea that we, something goes on inside of us when something good happens to somebody else. And that's what was happening in the parable today, wasn't it? That, that the first shall be last. <laughs> the, la the first workers got the same pay as the last workers. And notice that they were perfectly content with their pay until the last workers got paid. Now, if I were Jesus, I would have kind of been more, again, I would have been more pastoral. I would have said, let's pay the, the first people first so they leave and don't see us paying, the rent, you know, right? But Jesus sets this up so well. And he says, let's pay the last ones first. Because I think if the first workers leave, they miss seeing something about generosity, don't they? But notice their response is, hey, what about us? You favored these folks over us. They got something more than we got, in their opinion, in their assumptions. They began to feel a little bit neglected. 
And I can identify with that. We can all identify with that feeling of, of, not, of, of feeling like we're not favored when someone else is. We know that feeling. But yet this passage and this whole story is, we have to remind that it's framed within the context of Jesus saying, this is a parable of the kingdom. This is a parable of the kingdom of God. This is how the kingdom of God works. And the key verse, actually, it comes, it's repeated in Matthew chapter 19, just before we, this story. He, Jesus says, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And he repeats it again at the end of this parable. So this kingdom has something to do with how the first are last and the last are first. And I would suggest to you that part of the reason that it's going to appear that way is because of God's generosity. It's a, this is a parable of generosity and how we view generosity. And in our minds, when we see generosity, sometimes we're going to feel like the last. And sometimes we're going to feel like the first. Sometimes we're going to be in those different positions depending on how generosity is given. And then the key verse here that Jesus hones in on and he gets right at it in the parable. He says, here, hear this, Matthew 20, verse 15. He says, don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Whose money is it? It's the landowner's. But the first workers were assuming they had a right to the money. That was their assumption. They felt that they were entitled to more. But the landowner says, wait a second, it's not your money to give away. It's not your money to be generous with. And then he says, are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because I am generous? Now, I realize this is an HR nightmare. (laughs) But this isn't about human resource. This is about generosity. And the landowner being a generous landowner. And he was generous in different ways, but I want you to notice that he says to them, he says, are you envious? Because I am generous. So are we envious when someone else is generous? Is the question. You see, what he actually said, another little translation here of this verse would be, he's actually asking the worker, the first worker, he's saying, why is your eye evil? Why are you looking at this with an evil eye? The landowner could look into the eye of the worker and see that there was a malicious intent there, an evil intent. There was something going on inside of them that was evil. It actually literally means an evil eye. Or, and what they meant by that was to have a distorted view. Why do you have this distorted view of my generosity? (laughs) That's the question. And the point is this, is that jealousy really is a distorted view of generosity. That's what jealousy is. It's a distorted view of someone else's generosity to someone else. Like my brother. Right? It was a distorted view of my mother's generosity to one of her sons. Now, those of you who are parents, you love your kids. And you would say you love them both equally. There are some times as a parent, though, I do some really good things for one over the other. It's not that I don't love them any less. It's just that somehow I'm more generous. 
But then there are other times, it, but see, we don't keep track of those times, right? You know, because I will be generous to both, right? But as a sibling and as a, in the moment, I'm always thinking about what I'm not getting and what the other person is getting in that moment. And I'm forgetting all the other moments that mom was generous, you see? That's distorted view. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what jealousy does to us. And what do we say when we're growing up and somebody gets something that we don't get? What do we say? That's not fair. Mom, you gave Mark a fire engine cake. That's not fair. Or maybe you went to Thanksgiving and you saw that sister or sister-in-law that can fit into size two jeans. And under your, in your own mind, in the back of your mind, you kind of go, that's not fair, right? I got to work hard to get in my tens, my nines, whatever they are, right? My 38s, I'll tell you, I'll be honest. And that's because I suck it in good. All right. <laughs> or when someone else at your job gets a promotion, even though you work just as hard as they did, and you say to your boss, or you maybe don't say to your boss, but you think it, that's not fair. Or when someone gets recognized or gets an award or gets something and they get favor and you feel like you should have got some of the credit, you say, well, that's not fair. Maybe that's just a distorted view of generosity See, there's all kinds of examples we could come across in our own lives where we feel like some injustice has occurred. But notice what the landowner says to the first workers. Hey, I'm just. We agreed. I paid you what we agreed to. There's no injustice in that. But yet, see, jealousy leads us to see generosity as injustice. <laughs> That's the problem with this distorted view of generosity is that we start to say it's unjust when it really is just generosity. <laughs> really, it's just favor, but it doesn't mean that favor is not eventually gonna come around. I wonder sometimes had the workers responded differently if maybe the landowner would have been more generous to them. But because of their response, the landowner says, go, I've done my end, I've held up my end of the bargain. If they had seen it, the landowner's generosity, would things have gone differently. I don't know. That's part of the parable. That's part of the story. That's the part of the point of the story that Jesus is telling. You see, jealousy distorts our view of the generous gift, right? The, the, the first workers are unable to see what a blessing the landowner is actually being to the workers. And unable to see. And I am imagining that everybody got a, the same wage all day, no matter how many hours they work. But here's the other thing that we failed to miss about the landowner. Notice what the landowner, the landowner was already generous before he paid everybody. What does he do all day? He goes out all day and he hires workers all day. And he says, even though it's the end of the day, I see that you need work. You're just standing around. I am going to be generous and I'm going to hire you. We don't even know. Maybe the landowner didn't even need them to work. Maybe the landowner didn't need to hire them the last hour of the day, but we already see the generosity of the landowner in hiring everybody all day long. Anybody who's standing around, anybody who needed a job, 
the landowner said, I'll hire you. That's generosity, don't you think? This was a part of who the landowner is, and it tells us something about the generosity of God. It tells us that our God is a generous God, that our God is going to do everything for everyone. And really, this is actually, actually an example of grace. If you know anything about grace, grace is what? What is grace? What's the definition of grace? Grace is getting something you do not deserve. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. That's generosity. And so this image of God and the landowner is this generous God who says, I'm going to give grace to anyone, whether they come first to the kingdom or last to the kingdom. That grace is generous. That grace accepts anyone who comes to the kingdom. <laughs> you know, there, this echoes kind of another, another story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15 that I identify with as a brother. Story, Luke chapter 15, is the story where a father gives away his inheritance to his younger son, and his younger son goes off and he squanders all that inheritance on wild living, and then he comes home with his tail between his legs, and he's hoping just to be able to work in his father's household. And his father sees him, forgives him, embraces him, kisses him, puts a ring on his finger, a robe on his shoulders, a sandals on his feet, and restores him to the same status and relationship as his older brother who never left. And what does the older brother say when he finds the party going on? That's not fair. Paraphrase version. He's saying, I've worked hard for you. Do you hear the same echo as the first workers? <laughs> We've worked all day for you, and you're going to do this generous thing for these people who don't work so hard. The same thing that the older brother says to the father about his prodigal love and generosity toward the younger son. His expansive grace, his generous grace to him. Why are you doing this? I've slaved for you, he says, all these days, and yet you give this son of yours. The same status as me. It's a kingdom, another kingdom parable. Something about God's kingdom and God's generosity that will make us jealous, envious. Because, and maybe our jealousy is not so much about the other person. Maybe our jealousy has to do with God. Maybe when we see somebody favored or getting something that we don't get, maybe that says also something about our relationship to our generous God because we're in a sense saying, God, I deserve better. God, why didn't you give me the same thing that you gave them? Why aren't you as generous to me as you were to them? So our jealousy actually points out something about our relationship to our generous God. It points out to us that we also have this distorted view of the generosity of the giver, not just the gift. We may be jealous of the gift, but really what it's about is our distorted view of the giver, our distorted view of God. Maybe our lack of gratitude is because we're envious when a God appears to favor someone else because what we're doing is we're actually caught up in this comparison game. 
God, you love them more than me. Mom, you love my brother more than me. That's what it is about, isn't it? That's what we're saying to God when we're jealous of someone else, when someone else, something good happens to someone else. We're basically saying, God, you love them more than me. I deserve better. I expected more than this from you, right? We're actually maybe mad at God. Because that's what jealousy and envy does. It distorts our relationship to God. It distorts our relationship to each other. It distorts it, and it gives us this evil eye that distorts the way we see generosity, and especially God's generosity. Wow. Could it be that we're actually upset with God? Could it be that this is about our relationship with God and we can't understand how the first can be last and the last can be first and it's hard for us to trust that God really loves us just as much? But notice back in the parable of the prodigal son, what the father's response to the elder brother was, was this, everything I have has always been yours. What the father was saying to the older brother was, I have been just as generous to you. You just didn't know it. God is generous to all. Maybe sometimes part of the distortion is we don't know it. We can't see it, right? So the point is, jealousy is the enemy of gratitude. Envy is the enemy of gratitude. And the reason that we get discontent is because we start playing this comparison game with other people and that creates the discontentment in us, right? That leads to the jealousy. You know, I was perfectly content with my birthday cake until my brother got the other birthday cake, see? That is a distortion within me. That, has no, that says more about me than it says about the gift and the giver. So where's gratitude in the midst of this? And see, gratitude is what will lead us back to contentment. Gratitude is like putting on a pair of glasses with a new prescription. Because when we're, we experience gratitude, it's like we're taking that distorted view of generosity is that, that it's like not being able to see right. Well, gratitude are the glasses we put back on that helps us to see right again generous generosity and the generosity of the giver and the generosity of God and the grace of God in our own lives and the goodness of God in our own lives. That's what gratitude helps us to do. It's like putting on a new prescription (laughs) in the way we see things in the world and we stop comparing ourselves to other people and saying, that's not fair. I expected more from you, God. That's when we begin to say, God, thank you for what you have given me. So I'm going to give you a gratitude challenge today. You ready? There are two challenges today. The first one's a little bit easier than the second one. I'll start with the easy one. The first one I want to say is this. So I want you to take this gratitude challenge. I want you to go home today, sometime today, take out a sheet of paper or in a journal or wherever, and I want you to write down 10 things that you're grateful for. Could be anything. No, I know you did a little bit of this on Thanksgiving, so you could take your, I'm going to give you a head start. You can take your Thanksgiving thankful list, put those down, and then add to it because I know in my family, we only limit it to one or two or three things, right? I'm giving you, I'm asking for 10. So you're going to make a list of 10 things. It could be something simple like coffee, right? 
Thank God for coffee. Thank God that God made that coffee bean, right? That could be as simple as that. Ten things. Easy part. Then it gets a little harder because tomorrow I want you to add to the list. As much as you want. It could be three things, five things, seven things, whatever. Whatever's on your heart. Tuesday, I want you to get up. I want you to add to the list. Wednesday, add to the list. Thursday, add to the list. Friday, add to the list. Saturday, add to the list. And one week from now, look at your list and see how many things are on it. Anybody up for that? If you're up for that, raise your hand. I'm going to say you're going to, all right, good. That's the easy part. <laughs> you're like, what? What? He's like, what? That's the easy part. Wait a second. There's a harder part? Yeah. You know, the harder part is this. I want you to find a person that you're jealous towards or envious towards and find a way to go to them and appreciate them or give thanks to God for some generous thing that God has done in their lives. You see, part of gratitude is also saying, I'm happy for you when something good happens to someone else. That's gratitude too. And to practice gratitude when something generous or something good happens in somebody else's life, we can practice gratitude by going to them and saying, good job, congratulations, I'm happy for you, that's awesome, that's great. I'm so thankful that you got to experience that. Because what does that do? What does that change in us when we do that? It changes our hearts. It puts the glasses of gratitude back on. Now, I'm about to bring up a very painful memory, but just trust me. Does anybody remember when the Seattle Seahawks played the New England Patriots? Yeah. Don't, stay with me. Stay with me. It's going to be all right. Maybe I should have just stopped the sermon right there before that. I'm learning. I'm learning. The reason I pulled this out, though, is because I think this is gratitude. Look at what Sherman is doing to Tom Brady. Now, can I be honest with you? If there's one person I'm jealous towards, it's Tom Brady. <laughs> He's got good looks. He makes a lot of money. You know, all oh, this great football player, and he gets away with deflating footballs. Um, <laughs> Sorry to all the New England fans, but, you know, it's just my own stuff coming out right here. All right, confession. But I want you to notice this. Here's the end of the Super Bowl game. The New England Patriots have just won the Super Bowl, and we know why. It's not because they were good. It was because Seattle made the bad call play, right? Seattle could have won that game. But I want you to strip all that away for a moment. Look at what Sherman is doing. Sherman is trying to change his heart in the moment. He's saying, I'm going to go congratulate this guy for playing a good game, for playing and winning. I'm going to go say, Tom Brady, I'm happy for you. I wonder how hard that was. I wonder how difficult that was. Because I could tell it's difficult for you just by the way you groan when I showed you the picture. <laughs> right? But this gets at the heart of it. We need to put on the glasses of gratitude. And we'll be able to do things like that. When people get favor or win games or whatever, because that's called good sportsmanship. 
That takes character. Do you think God really cares who won that game? I don't think God cares. But I think God cares about our hearts and souls and how intact they are and whether or not they're whole. I think God cares about that. I think God cares about you and cares about me and I think God loves you more than you'll ever know regardless of what anybody else gets. Amen? Let's pray together.